This is Peter. And this is Tom. And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcasts. All right, this is Peter Zablocki and Thomas Reska, and welcome back to our podcast. Thomas, what do we got? Well, today we're going to be looking back at a uh, decade in review. So we're going to be looking back at uh, the 1970s, which is kind of remembered as a decade with soaring inflation, political unheaval. So don't get confused with, you know, the 2020s. Like the U.S. didn't really have the greatest image in the world in the 1970s, but the significance of the 70s probably goes beyond just the high gas prices, Watergate and Vietnam. You had a lot of changes to American politics, right, with, with the Watergate scandal, like we've talked about before, we'll go into more of a talk about a little bit today, a lot of the norms, the social norms change, the nations, a lot of the economy, a lot of the things that we have in the economy today take root. And um, actually, there was a historian by the name of Tom Wolfe. He called the 1970s the me decade across the land because America seemed to determine to escape from the wars, the social movements of the previous decade and kind of focus more on what was going on here in the country. And just unfortunately, it wasn't always the, uh, the best stuff. So there's a lot of the debate, like, was in 1970s a good decade or not? I mean, it was mostly... Um, it's mostly remembered from Vietnam and Watergate, but for people who grew up, probably a fun time to be alive. A lot of them saying the disco and things of that nature. You had the, the haircuts, you had chia pets. So there's a lot of stuff that went on during the 1970s. When I was looking um, at this and doing research for the 70s, and it kind of you touched upon this. I think we picked this topic the other day. We we're kind of talking about the parallels between the 2020s and the 1970s, and and they're really. Uh, there really are a decent amount of similarities, right? I mean, I would... Well, what, do, what do they always say, right? History repeats itself. So right? we're, in that, in that, we're in that cycle right now, I guess you could say. It was enough for us to really do a podcast to, to kind of maybe help people understand today, economy, culture, as well as politics of today by looking at 1970s as kind of like a model of, of the fact that maybe the trends we're seeing today are not necessarily new, but however, simply just a repeat or rather a continuation of stuff that has been going on, probably even perhaps before 1970s, but definitely a lot of parallels from the 70s. I mean, one of the biggest things in the news right now is Roe versus Wade, which is a case that came to be in 1970s. And I think we'll also touch upon a little bit about women's liberation and, and you know, probably run through the major political issues and the major economic issues. And then we'll kind of just generally jump in through some of the important events, maybe year by year. And finish off with some culture, which in itself was also um, something that was very interesting. So, and some of our listeners uh, probably lived in 1970s, so maybe they could uh, email us with some, uh, you know, corrections or suggestions or comments on the 1970s. Yeah, Not, hopefully they're nice ones. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, only nice ones. We don't want any bad comments. No, 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 <laughs> we, don't, we don't like those. So let's uh, let's kind of start with the 70s overall speaking. I think uh, we could begin with the. The man that kind of started it and and kind of brought about a conservative movement, and that would be Richard Nixon. Yes. And I think that starting with Richard Nixon, I think it's important also because it kind of sets up the 70s with a bang. You know, uh, this guy goes in, um, he's loud, and he kind of brings about this idea of going back to our conservative roots. And, and it doesn't really end well for him, which sets the tone for how Americans feel about their government not just for the rest of the decade, but really for decades to come. So what is he, and he kind of does some things when he comes to power. He says, remember, he wins the election by saying he's going to end the war in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And that does exactly what he does when he orders an invasion of Cambodia in 1970, which actually widens the war in Vietnam. Yep. And this directly leads to probably one of the most iconic pictures 
of the 70s that you see in every history book. I'm the students listening have definitely seen it. It's the one that happened on um, May 4th, 1970, when members of the National Guard in Ohio opened fire on students protesting the Vietnam War at Kent State University. Yep. And you have the photo because of the student just who was, really had nothing to do with even the protest, just crossing across and he winds up being shot and killed. And four students died, nine others were wounded on this day. The 70s also when you start seeing a lot of the protesting now for Vietnam. There was, mm -hmm. was anti-war movement before, but you're seeing it a lot more in the 70s. Yep. And it's not just Vietnam, too. I mean, you know, women, African-Americans, Native Americans, gays, lesbians, uh, you know, people that felt marginalized essentially fought for their equality throughout 1960s. And, and these, these protests really kind of span this idea of the new left movements that I just kind of mentioned, but also the Vietnam. So it almost seems like the United States is in like an upheaval of the 1960s protesting the traditional values and, you know, I guess the America first policies that preceded the decade. And out of all this, as you said, Richard Nixon kind of, he gets elected appealing to what he calls the silent majority, which to him was the conserv white, mostly Southern, but white conservative base, voting base that is sick and tired of, of watching essentially the 1960s upheaval as, you know, as he, or turbulence, as he called it. Um, urban riots, anti-war protests, um, counterculture. So he kind of promised to bring about the return, I guess, of you know political yeah. as well as social conservatism, uh, bringing back traditional family values, ending, as you said, the war in Vietnam, which he ultimately escalates for many different reasons. I mean, you know, you and I, I think, mentioned this in the previous podcast that uh, Richard Nixon, before he became president, Johnson, right, LBJ had the ability to actually end the Vietnam War through starting peace talks between North and South Vietnam. And it was Kissinger and Nixon that kind of delayed that because he wanted to be the one to end it. Um, so while he was running for president, he kind of delayed the peace talks, which resulted in the war going on for a few more years. Yeah. And when, what's going to happen is when all of this gets out, right? A lot of this stuff gets out, particularly happens in 1971. What happens, well, before that, in 1970, you have the Gulf of, um, the Tonkin. Senate, re no, the, the Senate repeals the Gulf of Tonkin yes. in 1970. So they had given President Nixon all these powers, and now they repeal that. But then what happens when the Pentagon Papers are published um, in 1971, um, dealing with this, the negative assessment of the Vietnam War, and a lot of this stuff that, that you know, it could have been ended sooner, starts getting out, and that wouldn't the government's lying to us. I mean, this isn't, this not, I know nowadays people have a very negative view of some aspects of government, you know, that of course the politicians are lying to us. Of course they're crooks. That was not the sense of the sentiment before the 1970s in the United States overall. Yep. When it comes, when it came to government. So the Pentagon papers, Watergate, all that is going to lead down that path. And, but when it comes out about what and how Nixon could have ended the war sooner, people are just like disgusted by it. Like you're, yep. you're sacrificing people's lives on both sides for your own political agenda. Absolutely. really and that, that's what's getting people upset rightfully yeah. so yep absolutely um so but nixon does however uh we you know give credit where credit is due i guess he does after prolonging the war does end the war in vietnam and his popularity actually soars after um the united states exits except uh what happens after that probably becomes the most infamous thing from the 1970s and one of the most infamous things in all of american history and that is the watergate scandal which all but ends Nixon's aspirations for being one of the greatest domestic or foreign policy president. It goes down in history as being a president, the first one, the first and only president to resign in office. So indeed, he, yep. he goes on that. But yeah, like I said, he had a lot of, um, like you were saying, Pete, he did have a lot of that 
foreign policy. He was the, I mean, 72, he was the first um, pro, sitting president to visit communist China, right? This thing goes up like eight days. Yeah. Before Nixon steps down and quits, he does attempt to appeal to the silent majority. Silent majority are these conservative people that he believed interpreted hippies as, as spoiled, like whining protesters. A lot of people have an issue with the government itself allowing all these protests to go on. First thing he does is he dismantles the welfare system. Parts of Lyndon Baines Johnson's war in poverty, he basically, wherever he could go backwards, he went backwards, showed his resistance to mandatory school desegregation plans and opposed school busing, uh, which was supposed to help integrate schools after Brown versus Board of Education. I always say this to my students that, you know, the belief is that Brown versus Board of Education is a monumental case that desegregates schools in the 50s, simply just poof, desegregated all the schools, yeah. which is actually incorrect. It, you know, this is the 1970s, you know, and its schools are still not desegregated because of the de facto segregation where you have African-Americans not living in the same neighborhoods as white people, therefore not going to the same regional schools. To fix that, the federal government mandated busing. So the school bus was really designed not necessarily to help little kids, you know, walk from and not have to walk rather too far to school, but really as a means of integrating schools because they would bus kids from the poorer neighborhoods that were traditionally African-American to neighborhoods that were a little more affluent, which were traditionally white. So he's trying to actually slow down the busing and take away the not only the initiative, but also the funding for a busing system. Definitely more conservative take that's fighting against the liberal viewpoints that came out of the 60s. But at the same time, I mean, he does do some things that are kind of liberal, right? I mean, uh, strengthens the social security payments, as well as the fact that single mothers would now receive a certain government check. That actually comes from Nixon. A lot of people don't realize that his followers are considered new right conservatives. They resented and resisted basically any form of big government. Nixon supporters fought against high taxes, any form of environmental regulations, uh, highway speed limits, uh, national park policies, really, um, you know, spending money on national parks. Uh, they were against affirmative action. So a lot of this stuff very, very similar to the 2020s. I mean, I, I it's almost yeah, make me There's a lot of parallels like what you're seeing there. And you're going to see that like, she's you say you kind of see that cycle every like 40 years or so. Because even during this time, you had like um, a lot of the um, pro-gay movement, um, obviously civil rights, of saying it's time for a change, it's time for these rights that are guaranteed to really put in place. And just like what you were seeing, you're seeing now, just a couple of years ago, when you're seeing a lot more of the of movements with LBGTQ rights and the Black Lives Matter movement, things of that nature. So you're seeing, you see it in the 70s, and now you're seeing it again. Maybe the 70s didn't do everything they needed to do to kind of, fix things, right? You can make that argument. Right. I, I think that the good transition between, I think, Nixon and uh, Ford, who follows him into office, is the Ford. discussion of the economy of 1970s, because I feel like that's the one constant that really connected Nixon, Carter, I'm sorry, Nixon, Ford, and Carter. And that is this really stagnant economy, you know, what essentially yeah, it becomes was, known as stagflation. Yeah, because basically the 70s, it wasn't like it wasn't just the United States. It was really most industrial like countries had yeah. this, like their worst economic uh, performance really since the great depression. Yeah. There was no big like economic depression like the thirties, but the, the growth rates was just lowered in previous decades for a variety of reasons. And it's kind of, again, it's what you're worried about seeing now with like, you know, just look at the gas pump now, look at how, Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's, Another it's, parallel. Are. It's, it's, it's just getting ridiculous. 
Um, and people are just saying, well, why is, you know, it, it's, a lot of it has to do with inflation. You're pumping money into the government, into the economy, which that's great, but it's going to lower the value of that money that's there. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of, I think we'll touch upon that because it, again, so, so similar. So Nixon starts this, you know, stagnant economy issue, but let's just kind of, you know, I think really the bulk of it is Ford and Carter. So let's just finish off Nixon. Just he, he was impeached. He would have been yeah. kicked out of office. They had the votes to get him out. He realizes that. So in August of 1974, he resigns from office. And then uh, General Ford is sworn in as the 38th president. And one of the first things he does is he grants Nixon a full pardon. Yes. So that right there, people are not happy about. And then one of the next things Ford does is he falls down the stairs of Air Force One. (laughs) And And Chevy Chase becomes popular. And that pretty much solidifies President Ford. Because then I think the next time he goes on Air Force One, he falls going up the stairs. And that's pretty much that's that's the end. He actually messes up his um. I still I'm just I'm just ripping on Ford here, but he also I was gonna say, dude, like his, you're so mean. I, know, I, I have no I have no problem with Ford, but he also he uh he messes up his inauguration speech too, like when they're swearing him in and like he, they're saying it to him. He, really, he I didn't know that. On, yeah, he like mumbles. They mess up. They have to like go. He has to like start it over again. Like when they're saying, you know, so I swear on the, you know, oh, so help me God, he messes that up. <laughs> really? So he was just he had a rough he had a rough go. Things are just not working out for him, huh? All right, so let's talk about the stagnant economy and what is actually happening here in 1970s that, again, makes the 70s very similar to us. So, so far, we have some similarities. We have a very conservative, yet very controversial and polarizing figure as president. And then that figure is replaced, albeit, you know, for a second by Ford, but really, he's replaced, I would say, by Carter, because Ford is just there as a stopgap kind of president. Uh, and then Carter's like the safe left opposite. The peanut safe, farmer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, peanut farmer. And I would say Carter's like the safe bet um, after this controversial Nixon. And again, very similar to what we see happening lately. You have the Donald Trump being a controversial president replaced by this safe bet, more left-leaning uh, Joe Biden. So there is a lot of parallels, except in the 70s, you have that, you know, mini period in between with Gerald Ford. I, I hate to minimize, in, you know, his presidency. However, it does kind of fall that way. But one of the biggest issues uh, that troubled Richard Nixon and, and his you know, other followers was the economy. Between 67 and 73, uh, the United States faced high inflation and high unemployment. Usually, it's the two don't necessarily go together. But for the first time here, that's what's sort of happening. You have high inflation and high unemployment, which the economists started calling stagflation. The problem is that when you, when you, or rather when governments try to fix high inflation, it usually causes higher unemployment. And if they try to fix unemployment, it usually causes higher inflation. So they didn't really know, governments weren't really sure how to tackle this particular thing. There's a few causes of stagflation and the economic situation in the 1970s. Now, one of them, and that's just one of them, is high inflation obviously starts it off. And, and that is a result of LBJ's policies of funding the war as well as social programs of 1960s through deficit spending. So ultimately, uh, the war in Vietnam was was extremely expensive for the United States, as well as Lyndon Baines Johnson's great society programs, such as Medicare and Medicaid and expanding Social Security. I mean, this guy did a lot of great things. LBJ was basically pumping more and more money into the economy, therefore devaluing the American dollar, causing inflation. The other one that's kind of here is the U.S. dependence on foreign oil. That's been something you still talk about now, right? Like yep. how the U.S. has to get off foreign oil, foreign oil, energy independence. That's just the same themes that you're seeing from the 70s. Again, like it just goes back to how we're, it's still coming out now. 
Yep. So in '73, this is what this is what kind of like you know it hits the fans. So in 1973. Egypt and Syria started the Yom Kippur War against Israel, right? And the United States sends massive military aid to Israel, who has been our longtime ally. Well, the Arab oil-producing nations, OPEC, you know, which uh, OPEC, which stands for Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, and that's whom we primarily got our oil from, decided to impose an embargo, an oil embargo, and sen- essentially cut off all oil sales to the United States. And this became a major challenge for U.S. policy, right? Because through supporting Israel, we wound up basically getting all of our oil cut off, which led to massive fuel shortages. Some people remember it that are listening to this. Uh, you could probably Google the images of people waiting at gas stations and, you know, just not being enough gas in the United States. Odd even days, yeah. Yep. Um, sharp, oil, you know, rise in oil prices worsened the problem of inflation, too, because... What starts to happen here now is prices of goods are already very expensive, um, and that's because of inflation, kind of what we're seeing today in 2022, right? Things are going up at uncontrollable rates and speeds. The other issue you have in here is that there simply isn't enough gas, which leads to companies. I mean, and I always tell my students, like, how do you think what you purchase in a store gets there? Like, it has to be driven there. So we're talking about planes utilizing fuel and delivering goods throughout the United States. You're talking about trucking being hit really hard here because now trucks don't have the gas to deliver certain products and goods to the stores. We start to see is the spiral that these companies all of a sudden, it's extremely expensive or nearly impossible for them to supply the American economy, to supply the stores, which leads to these companies ultimately failing and basically laying people off. So what you start to see is not only are prices of goods in America in the 70s going up at an astronomical rates, but now you're seeing the U.S. economy shrink to the extent that, you know, the unemployment is growing at unprecedented rates because companies are affected by the this oil embargo and the fact that they cannot continue their business in the same way they used to, laying people off, therefore leading to high unemployment, high gas prices, and because of high gas prices and delivery issues, high prices of everything. It sounds like I'm talking about 2022, but I'm talking about 1970s. This actually gets a little, you know, gets even worse later on in 79. And Carter faces a similar issue where inflation basically goes up from 7.6% to 11.3%. And that, again, has renewed violence in the Middle East that starts that off. By the way, Tom, what is the current uh, percentage of inflation? Do you know? Seven percent. Wow. Yeah. So it's not that bad, man. So in well, 19- and the end, yeah. For example, the rate of inflation twenty two thousand twenty one was seven percent. The annual rate is usually a one point four. Oh yeah, yeah. But in seventy nine, it was eleven point three. Yeah. So it's a lot. Well, because look how things were, how cheap things were in the early sixties. You know. And by nineteen eighty, by the time the decade ended, the inflation was fourteen percent annual inflation rate. Wow. Anyway, that's essentially what's happening with the economy. Economy is not doing so well. So what Nixon initially tries to do is he tries to do a few things. I mean, first, he gets the Fed to raise their interest rates. So he's thinking that maybe if he curtails uh, the people's ability to spend money, then that will somehow um, help with inflation because there won't be as much money in circulation. So by also by raising interest rates, though, he actually makes purchasing of houses and cars and other things more difficult for the American people who already have an, a problem at this point because the unemployment is so high. So ultimately, by trying to fix inflation, he actually hurts the U.S. economy and 
raises unemployment as well because companies such as car companies and the housing market uh, slows down, therefore, again, costing people jobs. Yeah, so that doesn't really work jobs out. go down. That's it. Yeah. But let's focus on some other stuff, Pete. I yeah. know, yeah. I know we're, we're doing a Nixon here. You become, this is supposed to be a seventies podcast. Nixon's well, I, only well, there to 75. Yeah, but think about, now, he's just, gone now. That's it. He's gone. Economy, he's gone. economy, economy. The, the economy, the economy, the, the economy in the seventies is not good. That's basically. Well, yeah. It by the way, Ford, okay. ha, 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 <laughs> Ford, Ford tries to whip inflation, by the way, just so we talk about that. And then, and then he falls down again. That's what happens. He falls down. You are terrible. Uh, whip inflation now. That was his thing. All right. Or when that was the, by the way, if he failed, he, no one can fix an inflation or stagflation in the seventies. We, we have a problem. And we're talking about all like the negative things of the economy, but some of the things in the seventies do lay the, the groundwork for what's going to happen, um, later on what we're doing now, I believe the first microprocessor, right. was first introduced in 1971. What's the other one? What's Microsoft? Uh, Bill Gates and Paul Allen found Microsoft in 1975. Well, the right? first Apple um, computer is 70s, yeah. 77, I think. Yeah, so like a lot of the things that are going to become modern era stuff that we talk about now start to come around in the 70s. So again, that's what that, they come out of this time. So the economy is not doing good, but it's also these things that are going to be brand new to the economy start to appear. And no one would have guessed that microprocessors and you know Microsoft, what they were going to become. So just... I guess I can give people some hope that there's going to be some new things that are going to happen now, which is going to lead to something new, new industry, new technology, a uh, new way of life, really, that's going to come into play. But it's giving, but it's happening right now. Apple computer was found, like you said, and we landed on the Mars in the 19, in 1976. Well, we right? did it. Viking, well, Viking, the Viking spacecraft yeah. did. People yeah. didn't, but I, probably sometime in this decade or next decade, they're supposed to land on Mars, right? I mean, politically, conservatism grows. Carter eventually becomes president because Ford doesn't win his own election. If you study Carter, you really look at kind of goes along with energy crisis. It goes with environmentalism. Yeah. It goes with well, uh, well, civil yeah, rights. But, but what's the big thing that kills Carter's political ambitions? Well, it's the Iran hostage crisis, right? Iran hostage crisis, and then when he sends in the uh, the choppers, right, to try to evacuate them, and it doesn't exactly go over very well. You know, they crash. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Burn the Boats from Evergreen Podcasts. I interview political leaders and influencers, folks like award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and conservative columnist Bill Kristol about the choices they confront when failure is not an option. I won't agree with everyone I talk to, but I respect anyone who believes in something enough to risk everything for it. Because history belongs to those willing to burn the boats. Episodes are out every other week wherever you get your podcasts. Yep. Uh, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty much it. I mean, he has no chance of re-election, especially when you have Reagan after that. I guess we can do... We did, did we ever do Reagan? We well, did I don't Reagan. think we did Reagan. But what's interesting Reagan. here is that it's like... Carter really comes in to counter the conservatism of Nixon yeah, and of Ford. And then he doesn't really pan out. So he winds up literally America just rejects him. And it's like, you yeah. know, and he's, he's a very nice guy. I mean, he's alive to this day. And well, human- he's one peace. Probably, he's probably gets more respect now than he did when he was president. You know, absolutely. Because just rejected him. They're like, mm, let's go well, back I to did- conservatism. There was one thing that he did. I remember, well, there were several things he did people didn't like. But one when it was during the energy crisis, during the winter. And he said, um, and he went on, you know, doing one of these little oh, the presidential Malays, the addresses. Speech, yeah. But he comes on, he basically says, he puts on like a sweater, right? Yeah. He's like, instead of turning up your thermostat, turn down your thermostat, conserve or conserve your heating oil, and just put on a sweater. And you, it, what he's saying is making sense, right? Of course. 
but you don't say that to Americans. Like you, how Americans are like, how dare you tell me I have to do this? I'm going to go pump up my thermostat from 68 to 84 just to get back at you now, Mr. President Carter. You know, you don't tell me to put on a sweatshirt. If I want to run it, it's like what they do when, you know, you always say there's a water shortage somewhere and you see people in California and stuff like watering their lawns, you know, and all these things like people, they don't like to be told what to do in these situations. How dare you tell me what to do? How dare you do that? And um, that combined with everything that happened with Iran and failed attempt to get them out of there, like. I mean, briefly about Iran, just uh, real quick. You have Iranian hostage crisis. Ultimately, what starts is the uh, Iranian Shah, who was not good to the people of Iran. No, um, no. He is, finally leaves. Yep. It's, 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 he's supported by the U.S. Um, government. He eventually is overthrown and toppled in Iran. Uh, he winds up getting cancer. Um, Carter, because he was all about uh, civil rights and human rights and um, he says, you know what, come to the United States for treatment. So he brings the Shah of Iran to the United States, which really upsets um, Iran and overall the Middle East, which leads to another embargo on, on oil to the United States, which furthers, again, it's just 79, 78, 79, which again kind of brings us and spirals are back into an energy crisis that was very similar to the one in 73. Um, however, while that's happening, there's a lot of resentment from Iran to the United States and a U.S. embassy is... Um, attacked and American hostages are taken by Iranian terrorists. And this becomes a televised thing throughout the world, really. And everyone's kind of watching uh, Jimmy Carter, like, what are you going to do about this? Like, are you going to go and get Amer- these, you know, our Americans back? And Jimmy Carter, because of, and he never really hid what he stood for. I mean, he, this was a guy that was all about peace. And he tried to find a diplomatic means or a diplomatic way to get these American hostages back. However, um, you know, that wasn't really working. It wasn't working fast enough, I guess, for the American people. And they started seeing him kind of as a failure in the sense that the economy was bad. The inflation was rising at 14 percent. Um, you know, American hostages are being paraded all over television and the American leadership is not doing anything about it. You know, America's weak again. It's not like the people that supported Nixon and Ford went away all of a sudden. I mean, these people, no, they were these, still there. And yeah, the silent yeah, the majority. Same, look is what about, happened when we went the other yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're about to uh, vote down Carter and elect uh, Ronald Reagan, which starts 1980s. I mean, so they're still there. There's still an issue with gay liberation movement, female women's liberation movement, essentially the new left civil rights movements. All that stuff is still there. Um, This Iranian crisis, ultimately what happens is, and you mentioned this, Tom, um, just to clarify, you know, Carter does eventually give in and says, all right, we're going to start a military operation. We're going to do this the American way. We're going in and getting them. And that military operation fails because the chopper crashes, killing more Americans. And and that embarrasses Carter. Yeah, he was done after that. He was, he done was after over. That. So he loses to another conservative guy that kind of says he's going to do the same thing, more or less, you know, follow this conservative wave that started in the early 70s. Go back a little bit on the government um, intervention. Go back on regulation, um, deregulating the environmental agencies and issues like that. And that is Ronald Reagan. By the way, the actual hostages are released literally the moment and the day that Ronald Reagan is sworn as president. Those hostages are released. And if you really study the history of this, you actually realize that that's Jimmy Carter. Carter. That was Carter part of negotiated, that. yeah. Reagan yeah. got the credit, but it was yeah. it was it Carter really who was negotiated Jimmy. the deal because he wanted he wanted those people safe. That was like his mission. That's what yeah. he ultimately cared about. Absolutely. So Jimmy Carter uh, steps down being president. So I, I think what we could talk about a little bit, yeah. You know, so there's some political, some world issues, some economic issues, and and stuff of that nature. But let's let's talk a little bit about 
um, I guess, the culture and the society of 1970s. A lot of things are happening in the 70s. I, I think like television it becomes key here. It basically reflects realities of American life, right? So shows more often than not start addressing like actual relevant issues. So yeah, more social Af- consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, you have more African American characters. You have working women. Well, yeah. Some- so, the, so you had, like you said before, you had, it became a bit more socially aware. They had a lot more minority centric television programming. Um, African Americans were main characters, right? You had Sanford and Son, uh, the Jeffersons, Good Times, right? Things of that yep. nature. Probably one of the most famous shows, some of the most famous shows that dealt with like um, things going, uh, dealt with the different social dynamics was like All in the Family and Soap. Yep with Billy Crystal as a um, gay individual, right? So you had that. Yeah. Um, the Westerns, which were popular in the 60s and 50s, they pretty much went away. They were replaced by um, police dramas. Um, you had nostalgia shows, right? Like like um, the Happy Days, which, yeah, the spinoffs, things of that nature. In the late 70s, a city started getting what's called um, jiggle television, which were more towards um, appealing towards a different type of audience, right? These are shows like Charlie's Angels, Love Boat, Three's Company, they became really popular uh, because they they had like beautiful women wearing less and less clothes. So, but these are the things that we are really starting to um, see on television, these types of shows. And it's, it's just very different from the 1950s and, and uh, 50s and 60s when you were seeing those shows all like, like that nuclear type of family. That's, yep. not, that's not what you're seeing anymore. Yeah, I mean, besides the social values and like all in the family, I mean, diversity, Chico and the Man was the first ever set, uh, series set in Mexican-American, right? East Los Angeles uh, with Mexican-Americans. You have... The Mary Tyler Moore show, which um, depicts Mary Richards as a single woman working as an assistant manager in a local TV show. So it's like a working woman. Uh, Roots. Remember Roots? I mean, we've seen Roots. Mm-hmm. You know, Miniseries Roots that uh, told a saga of several generations of African-Americans. It was an eight-part story that was actually one of the most watched television events in American history to this day. So the fact that cultural identity is shown on television, the independent women and diversity and social values, like these are things that are touched upon that prior to this never necessarily were. Um, It's also something that, you know, TV starts to show America's viewpoint of kind of ridiculing society, but politics and economy. I mean, this is Saturday Night Live becomes Saturday Night Live comes out in, yeah, 75. Yeah, and like we said before, with Chevy Chase, he he became famous by mocking Gerald Ford. Remember, this is the president of the United States. And then the guy there on Saturday night, they're just making fun of him. And they did the same thing with Carter, Right, all the way up to you know to now. Trump and Biden now, yeah. yeah, and that's that's probably what it is. Who can impersonate the president and you know basically make him look foolish, and that's what they do, right? So Crazy. you're seeing these sorts of uh, things, and it's just changing because that's something that you never think of you would see in like the 50s or the 60s. Nope, nope. Um, I mean, what else? Uh, 70s, you have um, Gay Liberation Day. It was the first ever gay pride parade is held in New York City in 1970. Um, that commemorates the first anniversary of the Stonewall riots, right, which is a violent conflict um, between gay community and police in Stonewall Inn, which is a popular gay uh, nightclub in Greenwich Village. Um, but you also start getting parades, you know, g- uh, just gay pride parades. This is a new thing in the 1970s, again, still around to this day, but starts off during this time. What else do you have? You have uh, music becomes portable, right? Sony Walkman, everyone thinks it's the 80s, but really it, it was launched in late 70s. Which is kind of cool. Yeah, pong. I, some, some, if, you don't, if you don't mention pong, people are going to be mad. All right, pong. Pong is huge. Oh, well, <laughs> well, pong is the, the idea of pong is that we were able to bring what is considered at the time a video game to your home. I mean, um, yeah. and that's that yeah. kind of stems from what you said before. This computer, you know, 
revolution or stuff that i think the atari what 2600 comes out later on that comes out in 77 yeah that was a huge commercial obsessed you had other ones milton bradley had their own microvision stuff like that so you had like the precursors it also doesn't explode explode until nintendo in the 80s but yeah it's i guess it's called like the golden age of video games is really the 1970s with like space invaders and asteroids things like well and that's what that's what a lot of people started doing they started hanging out in arcades something for kids to do yeah that was something that was what kids did yeah Crazy. I mean, obviously, landmark decision, 1973. Um, oh, yeah, United go States. versus way. A couple years before, 71, you have um, when 18-year-olds get the right to vote on the 26th Amendment. Yep. Yep, yep, the yep. idea is if you're old enough to fight in a war, you're old enough to uh, vote. Um, also, this is making a comeback, like you know, history usually does. 70s was the time for vinyl. I mean, considered the golden age for vinyl records. Uh, most people had record players, and it was cheap. I mean, nearly everyone could afford it. You know, you went to the record store. Like, that was the thing to do. It's kind of sad that we don't really do that. I mean, I guess what's coming back, but Yeah, still. I think it's more of a nostalgia. It's, it's a nostalgia thing. Just like in the, in the 70s, you had nostalgia for the 50s. Now we're having some nostalgia, but like the vinyls and stuff. I know there's a lot of those shops popping up. Also, fashion was place. huge, right? Shorts uh, were really short. Skirts had like different lengths you had the mini midi maxi i mean i i can't even just like reading up about um the fashion of the 70s i, I don't really necessarily get it but like platform shoes um yeah disco you know, with, right right yeah and men and women both wore platform shoes anything to express themselves that's basically was the bell bottom pants right the yeah. things of that the i guess the hippie style could a lot of it was still only warm but kind of like Got all that patchwork and fabric that, and we got a lot of uh, people that debuting their different types of like dresses that, and it really changed. It was supposed to be comfort, but also stylish. That was really, well, I guess, the fashion of the seventies from what I saw. Comfort, yep. but fashion. Like, we can't talk about the seventies without the music, I guess, either, right? Yeah, I guess we should talk about the music. I was going to go to Earth Day, but I mean, music's more fun than Earth Day. Earth Day's cool. Sure. But- all right. Well, what do you got for you got anything for music you want to touch upon? Well, no, I just said I got disco was big during the sound. We had people like the ABBA, the Bee Gees, Donna Summer. You had some of the quick rock band, um, the rock bands have become really big. So I hear about now like Rolling Stone, Van Halen, Pink Floyd, uh, Queen. Yep. Basically, go out there and express yourself. You can criticize the government. You can rebel. Again, you're seeing a lot of that stuff. That whole idea of having long hair, you know, doing drugs. Like, it's another ex- expression of the liberation, right? And it was very personal so the music of the 70s was very personal to a lot of people that's why a lot of it's still very popular today also all right so earth day or man <laughs> um 19 well uh, it's not as cool but it's still cool <laughs> just like depressing earth day is like depressing yeah, earth day is earth cool day. i mean I have nothing against earth day but just how you like portrayed it right there was just like well, i know day. because i mean it's kind of uh, i know because you well you go well, from like from good, music because wait because what well, well, earth day is what you also had many times you had the environmental movement people realized listen we have to kind of Cut back and throw crap earth. into rivers. Yeah. Protect the yeah. earth. You're seeing a lot of these things that, you know, maybe it's not such a good idea to be, uh, you know, dumping everything into the ocean anymore. What, and stuff and like that's... that. Well, really what scared people too was um, with Earth Day. I know it's happened before. I'm sorry to cut you off beat. was no, no, no. Uh, Three Mile Island. Three yeah. Mile Island here in the United oh, States. Oh, yeah. We need to talk about that. Right. 1979. Basically, it's just a um, nuclear. It's the worst nuclear accident I guess we ever had in the United States. Um, very little toxic um, radiation gets released in the form of like radioactive steam, right? I believe, mm-hmm. and um, it, it does get out. And Carter actually goes to it because Carter was also a nuclear engineer. Yeah, we need to do. He Carter, was like a like... really like smart, successful guy. He just you know had a hard time as president, but um, yeah, he actually goes and tours it. But there was no nuclear reactors built in the United States since that point because they were so worried about because of what happened in Three Mile Island and obviously what happens shortly after in, in Chernobyl. 
Yeah. Which, uh, you know, go back and listen to the podcast. But, um, yeah, so Earth Day comes up, what, in the 1970s, right? I forget what Yeah, it actually is was. in 1970. But, it's a day of education yeah, about these, the environmental issues. These Congress passed the Clear Air Act and Clean Water Act two years later. So they really they about, did, you know, yeah. just yeah, the whole owl, right? Was that, what was it? Give a hoot, don't pollute. I remember that. Yeah. And uh, actually, in 1970, owl. also, um, the federal government creates the Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA. The EPA, yeah. And it gives it power to set and enforce pollution standards, right? Um, conduct environmental research. what it does, just, right? Cars. I, mean, um, I can't imagine, like, we didn't live during the 60s, but the fact that it wasn't until the 70s when, when people started paying attention to the stuff that's thrown into rivers and stuff that's well, put it was into when, food. Was that like the... Wasn't like one of the some lake or river somewhere. It like glowed, right? Like it caught on fire and it burned, and they're like, "Whoa!" That's... Like water's burning, and they're like, "Yeah, because of all the, the garbage and junk that's in it," you know. So uh, it's, I mean, it's time to clean, it's time to clean it up and stuff. Yeah. Carter also in '78 enhances the conservation effort, and he sets aside an additional 56 million acres in Alaska as a national monument. So. A lot of conservation as well that is happening in the 70s. Three Mile Island. Why didn't we ever do a podcast on Three Mile Island? Shh, don't give it away. We'll do one soon. <laughs> we um, talked about it with Chernobyl. What's interesting about Three Mile Island is that and because of that, you actually like Hollywood gets, gets on it, right? And, uh, you know, end of 1970s, early 80s, Hollywood kind of responds to the Americans' concerns over nuclear power. Um, they start making like social awareness films that expose the dangers of it. Right? I mean, you have the 1979 China Syndrome with Jane Fonda and Jack Lemmon. Basically, twelve day, only 12 days after the film's release, the actual accident at Three Mile Island happened, which made it very like... Yeah, know. so people kind of got freaked out. It was like, <laughs> yeah. The Syndrome was not that bad. It, it was Any nuclear incident is an issue, but compared to what happens in that movie and definitely compared to what happened in Chernobyl, it's, it's like a one. I know. It's, it's just crazy go. how, like, right away, like, everything is seen and, and exposed, really, through media, like, that heightens what is happening in society. And then the same thing happens today, obviously. You know, people oh, yeah. could say things about, like, Disney's uh, becoming too political. But it's, in a sense, I feel like TV and, and Hollywood has always been political. It's always reflective of the... Of the times. It's reflective of the times. Of the times. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's going to be. That's how a capitalist society works. Exactly. A free society exactly. works. Exactly. Do you have anything else that you want to kind of touch upon in the seventies? I mean, there's a, there's a few things. That, I mean, well, there's a ton of things. There's obviously a ton of things that we've. You know, I mean, you have. Um, over. I mean, of course. Oh my God, yeah, we could keep on going, but Elvis oh, yeah. Presley dies in seventy-seven. He's found dead, and if I bring that up because I know there's a big Elvis Presley movie coming out, I believe shortly. Okay. Scientists, um, they talk about genetic engineering, so they actually do in, uh, genetic engineering techniques, and they they create insulin. Think of how many Americans take insulin today. They didn't have that until 1977. Life-changing. Walt Disney World Resort in Florida opens up. Huge, yeah. Right? I mean, you you know, it's not Disneyland. This is much bigger. The World Resort in Florida. $400 million back then created. What else? Oh, this was interesting, too, when I was looking into it. In 1970, January 1970, Boeing 747 Jumbo Jet uh, is created. And basically, why is this important? So for 37 years, it could carry more passengers than any other aircraft, and it was one of the most recognizable planes in the world. But thanks to the Boeing 747, flying became really affordable in the 70s for the average person, which I think is kind of cool. I mean, it was retired in 2017. I, yeah, yeah, but they have bigger ones now. There's VCRs. So we thought, you know, VCRs became huge. Normally, like you would know how well a movie did based on how 
well it did in the movies or at the theater but because of 1970s it started to shift and be like all right how much money did this movie make in the theaters versus how much money did this movie then make at home and it'd be that's because vcrs okay. even television viewing experience people for the first time could like record a show and watch it later so it you know yeah. that kind of helps this out was with the late precursor to dvrs indeed <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we used to have an old VCR that like went on from like you had to load it from the top, which I think was kind of cool. Oh yeah, top um, loaded ones, yeah. And okay, let's talk about a little bit of movies, and we can finish it up this way because Tom, some of the greatest movies ever of all time came out in the seventies, right? I mean, you have the Godfather and the Godfather Part Two, and then of course you have Star Wars, nineteen seventy-seven. Your movie. That's right. And nineteen seventy-five was Jaws. It was, it, was, it was like when we talked about our uh, the old podcast about like blockbusters. You start getting those summer blockbusters in, in the 1970s. That's like the beginning of like the the blockbuster, right? The big yeah, big movie everyone that. goes to see makes millions of dollars. Yeah, see, we're, we're going full circle. And speaking of another podcast that we did, we can talk about you know how the 70s end on a world stage in 1979 in December. The um, Soviets invade Afghanistan to prop up a communist leader there. You know, we, we talked about that Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. Again, kind of mirrors what happened recently when the Soviets, well, the Soviets, the Russians, excuse me, invade Ooh, the Ukraine. You said Soviets. Right? Well, Not Putin wants to bring back the Soviet Union. So well, that is true. That is true. <laughs> I mean, toy-wise, looking at toys, I mean, a lot of toys came out. In the, in this <laughs> we go country. from Putin to toys. <laughs> Just, <laughs> speaking of that, toys are very, very... Uh, <laughs> well, you know what? I think nice. it's a perfect transition, <laughs> but, Tom. I think it's a, it's a happy transition. It's yes. a happy transition. A- indeed. I think that's the problem. So like, toys and games. Because, you know, you have to counter the negative. So Yes, exactly. Make it, no one gets upset with toys. All right. So to counter some of the Putin negative, let's uh, let's look into toys. <laughs> I, 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 Rubik's Cube. That's the big one, right? That is a big one, right? Um, Legos became very popular, although they didn't really come out in the seventies, came out in the sixties, but seventies is like the, the beginning of Legos becoming a thing. And now Legos are Legos, you know, they're huge. Um, but even like the toys, um, had a lot of like increased ecological sensitivities. There was a Johnny Horizon environmental test kit that like allowed children to perform their own tests for air and water pollution. Again, so even like <laughs> Right. I feel like you're seeing this, like, you know, environmentalism going into toys as well, which I thought was kind of interesting. But yeah, even toy makers also were kind of faced with never before seen regulations. So in California in the 70s, a state law went into effect that prohibited the manufacture and sale of toys related to violence, such as bombs, grenades and torture devices. It was the first such law in the United States. Torture devices were sold to children. I I mean, well, toy ones, you know, um, yeah. Maybe had a little sign a live sketch when they were selling like a bag of glass, broken glass. Crazy. You can look, you can look into it and see. Yeah, but some of the other toys, like the Barbie comes out, right? On yep. in the seventies, uh, Matchbox cars, Easy Bake ovens, right? All was, those type, types of things. So was but what, did Barbie come out in the seventies, or did Barbie just become really popular? I thought she came out before I, the seventies. Yeah, she came out before became she kind of had a re- renaissance. Yeah, um, in the seventies, a big time. And all like, I guess the modern day Barbie, how it looks now. Oh yeah, was more. It was big. It was big in the seventies. And the biggest selling toys of 1970s, by the way, Star Wars action figures. Yeah, they had the whole catalog or something. Boom. All right. So we just went from Putin to toys. I think it's time for us to finish this podcast, Tom. What do you think? Yeah. Um, I think that was a sign. That was a sign. So um, (laughs) anyway, here are the the 70s. A little all over the place. Yeah. And you know what? 70s were fun. Uh, Again, we can't do justice to the entire decade under an hour. Yeah, just like... 
just a quick little synopsis of yeah. kind of talking about it and we do what we wrapping do. it all up as best as we can. So that's yeah, right. We address some of the major points. That's right. To everyone out there, thank you so much for tuning in once more to our podcast. We really do appreciate it. And you can find us at www.historyteacherstalkingpodcast.com. We are always here to answer any of your questions if you have any um, or any comments that you have. I guess that's it. And we'll see you guys next week. Stay safe, everybody. I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't believe everything you read.